Good morning, everybody. We are back into the book of Matthew. Last week, we began sort of a, a mini series inside of the Sermon on the Mount, and it deals with our relationships with one another, which we see is very important to God. We were created in the image of God. We we are to be made in his image in that we, we imitate this communion of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And last week we said that Jesus says that love doesn't hold resentments towards others. We're going to get angry. Uh, we can be angry and not sin, but we can't allow that anger to linger. We can't have an attitude of unforgiveness and not willing to reconcile with others. Well, if that one didn't make you uncomfortable enough, this week Jesus talks about sex. And we're going to look, go ahead and just dive into Matthew chapter 5. And this is what he says, beginning in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of the, your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now let's not lose sight of what Jesus is really trying to do here in this text. He, he says, you know, it, leading into this, he has not come to destroy the law. Jesus has come to bring the kingdom of God, to launch it, to make people uh, a kingdom people. And that can only happen when the purposes of all of God's laws have been, have, have have been in its fulfillment. Who are the crowds? We talk about this. Who are the crowds? These are the people following Jesus. Disciples. People who have said, I'm going to allow this teacher to shape me in one way or the other. And so each week we're to come to this text and we're to ask ourselves, how am I doing with what Jesus is saying? Am, am I the kind of person uh, that Jesus has come in to bring the kingdom? Or am I a person who simply got religion, you know, and I've modified some of my behavior, but maybe I haven't really allowed Jesus to work on the core issues that are going on in me. The Sermon on the Mount is to make us uncomfortable because all of us have things that we need to go deeper in, in, in uh, the issues that are going on in our lives. Now, Jesus begins with one of the Ten Commandments again. This time, it is, thou shalt not commit adultery. And it also kind of leads into the other command, which is, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. Adultery was considered... Uh, as a violation against a man's exclusive rights to his wife and also to assure that all the children that his wife has are his. But it was much deeper than that. It has to do with our relationship with God. King David, after his, his affair with Bathsheba, 
in Psalm 51 and verse 4, he, he says it's against you. You alone have I sinned. And we're like, yes, adultery is wrong. And, and I'll, be the, I'll tell you, people, uh, Christians who have gone through this and they've been the person who has committed this, this sin, they'll be the first to tell you, yes, it is wrong. I'm still picking up pieces. I still struggle. I, you know, still know the harm and the hurt that I've done. But that's not the place that Jesus just stops and says, okay, don't, don't commit adultery. And there are a lot of those who could say, yeah, no, I've never committed adultery. So Jesus amps it up. And he says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus views the world through the scriptures and especially those first two pages of Genesis. Male and female, they reflect the image of God. So here is God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. They are separate. They are distinct, but they are all God. They are all in their oneness. And out of that oneness, they created humanity out of their image. And so you have male and female, and, and now they can enter into this relationship with God in this covenant with, with God and, and the husband and a wife. And they too, God brings them together. They too become one flesh. And it's out of that sexual union in that covenant that they create more life, new life. And, and, and something that was made in their very image. In other words, we are continuing to do what God does. Jesus sees the marriage covenant is sacred. It's beautiful. It is significant. And he says that anything that would threaten it is considered a distortion of, of a unit that is, that is bearing the image of God. Adultery is a distortion. But Jesus says the real issue of that law, the real issue of the distortion comes from this lustful intent. In almost 30 years of ministry, I've counseled many people, Christians and even people in the community who had broken the seventh command. And just about every single one of them begins this way. This was never meant to happen. I never thought this would ever happen. That relationship began usually as an innocent friendship or somebody had helped them. It may have even been someone that they started talking to about the Bible. Those relationships were not formed in some sleazy bar or a wild party. Sometimes those relationships started at church at a Christian school or in places that you would think that nothing like this could happen. But most people don't wake up and certainly Christians, we don't wake up in the morning and think to ourselves, you know what? I'm just going to go out and have an affair. I'm going to go out and, and, and do this kind of thing. It is a slow simmering issue of the heart. In the English language, when we say someone looks, it can refer to a glance or it can refer to a stare. 
The word Jesus uses here in this text, it means a sustained, ongoing look. In other words, it is, it, this is a person who, who would stare with lustful intent to stimulate a sexual desire by, by scanning over the entire body or, or creating a mental movie within their minds. Jesus is not talking about, you notice someone's attractive. Okay, there's, there's beautiful people in our world. It's the decision that someone makes when they realize that someone is attractive. Martin Luther, I think he had a great quote on this very verse. He says, I cannot keep a bird from flying over my head, but I can certainly keep it from making a nest in my hair or from biting off my nose. It is letting some, something take root is what we're talking about here. No one can see those thoughts. You can't make a law against thoughts that no one else can see. But Jesus says, listen, this is the core issue of adultery. This is it. We live in a world that downplay, downplays sexual faults. In fact, I will go even further to say that it tries to encourage it in every way possible. Our economy is fueled uh, based on sex drive. And it, we see it in movies, commercials, billboards, entertainers, magazines, social media, sports, clothing styles. And we could go on and on and on. But what we see is that the world continually provides something sexual for us to stare at. Some say, well, what's the harm? These are just private thoughts. I've even heard some say, well, look, it's just sex. And this is no big deal. But what does Jesus say? Jesus said, this is a really big deal. You are committing adultery with a person in your heart. Even if that person never knows about those thoughts that you're having, it is an action that you have taken. It is a choice and it is harmful. We're not going to go through all the studies of just pornography, but one, one in particular, a brain scientist, have discovered that watching porn can shrink a part in your brain that is linked to pleasure. It rewires the brain to become more juvenile. It creates these sexual dysfunctions. It reduces marital quality and commitment to one's spouse because the, the brain is stimulated with this dopamine and it, and it kind of rewrites it to a, a form of memory. So if you found your, this great pleasure in this particular way, then when you start wanting or having a certain desire in this way, rather than someone looking to their spouse, they're going to think to the thing that gave them that greatest pleasure or gave them this pleasure over and over again, and they will continue to go that route. And brain scientists will tell you, you know, they don't even know right now the long-term effects that pornography is going to have uh, on our world. So why is sex a big deal to Jesus? I think that's where a lot of people may be wondering. And he's not saying that sexual desire is bad. He's not even saying that we should be embarrassed by it. You know, really it was centuries after that, you know, there was this kind of downplaying of sexuality that it's something that we should be embarrassed about. But that simply is not the case. 
in Genesis chapter one, God is creating this world, this magnificent world. And after each day, he says it was good. And then he comes to the end, to the climax, and he makes these human bodies, male and female that were created for sex. They were created to produce children, to fill the earth. And God looks at it and he says, this is very good. Our bodies are good. Sex is good. Sexual desire is good. The Song of Solomon. Did you know you have an entire book in, inside the Bible here called the, the Song of Solomon? And it is about this, this really intimate, I mean, very um, back and forth of a husband and wife and speaking and seeing each other in a very sexualized way. And, and, and you may say, well, that's something you just read privately. Listen, they, were, they still, even to this day, Jews read this book during the days of Passover in the synagogue. This is something Jesus was very familiar with. This is one of the things, folks, that we just cannot sit down and look at sexual desire and reduce it to whether it's good or it's bad. All right, it's like fire. Is fire good or is it bad? Well, that's really not a good question, is it? Because it can become a great good. It's a great power that can be used in, in when it's used in a positive life-giving way. It, it's able to bring light into darkness. It's able to bring some heat and warmth in a place that is cold. So when it's harnessed, it has the ability and the potential to do something that is good. But when it's not harnessed, that same fire can bring destruction. I mean, you look at the wildfires out in California and we see just this absolute utter destruction of places. And we, and we, and we can see just what can happen. So when sexual desire is used in the biblical covenant relationship between a husband and a wife, it is a powerfully complex good. It unifies, it binds two people together. They, you, out of it, they are able to create new life. It's the vision of Genesis 1 and 2. Outside the covenant relationship, this same power can create the deepest, emotional scar that a human can have. And many times it will completely sever a relationship with, with an act, a sexual act that had been once been used to unite two people together. But lust goes beyond those just who are married. Jesus is telling us all something here about the sexual intent outside of that relationship. And for those who may be listening in your teens or your young adults or just, you know, single adults, listen, this world is, is throwing everything that they can at you. A preacher friend of mine just wrote an article about uh, this big controversial film on cuties on Netflix. 
And, it, and it's been all the rage. If you've seen any reports, you know, people are canceling their Netflix subscription and there's people who are, are sending out, you know, telling them they need to, to stop this and sending it out even to Congress and everything else. And, and, and I haven't seen it and I'm not going to watch it, but based on what I understand about um, and how they advertise it is, here's this 11 year old girl who starts to rebel against her conservative family's traditions, and she becomes fascinated with this kind of, this free-spirited dance crew. And the outfits that they wear and the dances that they use are highly sexualized. And this preacher friend of mine, he, he's just like, he's shocked that the world is reacting in this way. And it's not because, it's, because he doesn't see it as disgusting, but it's like there's so much other disgusting things that we continue to watch in the same venue. He even said, if your kids have access to YouTube, a web browser, TikTok, Instagram, or any social media app, rest assured they have way more access to things far worse than cuties. Wow. And that should really tell us something. One thing it tells us is how easily this type of thing is, it has full access into our homes. And it also says to us who are parents that we have a responsibility as guardians, those who are watching over our children, to know what they're watching, to understand what they're doing, and, and to, to guide them. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make poor choices. We need to know their coming ins and going outs. But it also says something to single adults, because single adults, are you're no longer put under that guardian of, of, of parents, and you've got to make decisions for yourself. Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I truly a disciple of Jesus? Because if I am, this passage is going to challenge me. It's going to challenge my thinking with the thinking of the world. The scriptures have the highest value, or the highest view, rather, of, of sex. It is sacred, it's beautiful, and yet our culture treats the body as something less. It, you know, I mentioned a while ago, people say it's just sex. It, that's because the world turns it into something that is just like an animal. Uh, with animals, there's, there's no conscious, there's no impulsiveness. There can be, uh, there, the people can be abused in those situations. Jesus is telling us that sexuality is a gift. It's a gift from God. It is not a private possession for us to do with at will. Love is about, is about each other. It's about that other person. It's a part of that covenant and, and being in the image of God. But lust, it's about one person and them receiving a gratification. Girls, don't be excited about guys who, who tell you how hot you look. And I know that's the last thing you wanted to hear your preacher say, but the thing is, you, it may make you feel better about your own self image in some sense, but you're, you're going to the wrong place for this image because all they're thinking about is themselves. And once they get what they want, you're going to be left in tears. How serious is Jesus about this teaching on sexual desire? He says, it's better for you to gouge out your eyes or to, to cut off one of your hands than it is for you to enter hell. That's 
pretty extreme language. And that's what it's exactly what it's meant to be. It doesn't mean you go and just start, you know, gouge your eye out, because look, that's not the problem. He's already told us what the problem is. The problem is the heart. And, he, and he's trying to show us something here that, that this is absolutely strong, strong language. And, you know, if God were going to lop, tell you to lop something off, it's probably not going to be your eye or your hand. And it doesn't mean I'm trying to be crass here, but I mean, seriously, he's using this very strong language to tell us this is a very, very serious thing. Life in the kingdom of heaven produces followers who live out human relations and that includes marriage the way God originally designed them. Other humans were not created for your pleasure. That is a degradation of that person, that other humanity that God has made in, the, in his image. And then not only does it degrade them as a human being, it degrades you as a human being because you're not acting human. You're not acting the way you were created. Whether it's anger or whether it's lust, Jesus is intolerant of any kind of behavior that hurts relationships and abuses someone else. And in this case, this morning, love doesn't or is not predatory. Love is not predatory. And some of you may be listening this morning and, and you're feeling pretty bad about yourself and that's not necessarily a bad thing, as long as that's not where you're going to stay, because that's not where Jesus wants you to stay. Christ doesn't hate you. He came to this earth and he lived and he died so that you could be free from this bondage of sin that you find yourselves in. Some of you, you are in bondage to pornography. You are in bondage to undressing people. You are in bondage to just continually looking and, and wanting to be a part of something that is, does not belong to you. And he wants you to understand this is a serious thing. He is calling it for what it is. And that is lust is a monster that will absolutely eat your soul. Jesus is launching the kingdom of heaven and, he, and we are simply to trust him to be washed and be clean as Romans 6. Go, go read Romans 6, and he tells us he can free us. We, we rise up out of baptism into this, this new way of life, a life where we have broken off the shackles of sinfulness and worldliness. But allow God's Spirit to lead you and guide you in every aspect of your life, in every relationship, and this absolutely is one of those. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come to you this day. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for loving us and caring for us. And Father, we pray for those who may be struggling right now in the very topic that we're dealing with. And Father, we just pray that you would help them to overcome this sinfulness. Father, help them to, to see how good you are and all the goodness that you want to bring to our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.